going on down there. I can go on for a while about Toronto food. We're we're excessively fortunate in Toronto that we've got like not only do we got a lot of world cuisine, but like we had a burger fad that started apparently like back in the early 2010s, which resulted in just high quality like burger stuff uh, around we, town. We had the I don't, same I'm not... thing in New York. Yeah, that was it's really cool. Like there's this incredible burger joint in Jersey City called Left Bank that I I love. Ooh, yeah, it's really good. I gotta check that out if I'm ever in the area. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, that's the secret of, uh, of Jersey City is that it's, it's actually really nice. We, we try not to let the, uh, the secret get out. We don't want what happened to Brooklyn to happen to us. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you tell everyone, no, go through New York. It'll be great. Actually, yeah, you know what? Stay there if, you, if you're having a good time. <laughs> it's all, I, it's all crime ridden and on fire. You don't want to come here. And, uh, you yeah. don't want to drive our, our property values up by thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and make us all have to move. So, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's all gangland and re- refineries. Never go to Jersey. That's what I, that's what everyone from Jersey told me. <laughs> uh, by the way, hey everyone, welcome to WTF and TFW. We're here, we're doing a tabletop interview, and this time it's not about a card game, it's about a tabletop RPG system. Uh, yes. Specifically one that's that's very, very relevant to Transformers, and which is uh, built off of an existing system. But uh, we're going to get into that. Um, that system, by the way, is called Rememorex. Uh, and I, I shouldn't do all of, the, all of the, uh, the pitch stuff here, but I am joined today <laughs> by someone from uh, the, I'm going to say, the Rememorex team. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, and tell them what you do? Okay, uh, I'm Sean Jaffe. I'm a game designer. Um, I was one of the two primary creators on both Rememorex and RPG Nasty, um, and I'm sort of taking point on the new project, which is Commandroids: A World Transformed, which is our it, it's it's an entirely independent game. It's its own game, but it can plug into Rememorex. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, uh, so you, you guys were at TFCon. That's how we uh, first got in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which I, I was mentioning uh, before we kind of got going. Uh, it's the first time I think we've had some full-on tabletop at TFCon that I can remember, at least uh, in the years I've been going. Uh, as opposed to just like people playing the new TCG, which is less that it's just now about a year old. So uh, you guys were were a very unique experience, and I'm kind of curious, like just. To start things off, like, what was TFCon like? You've, you said, you know, you've gone to other gaming conventions. You, you all were just at Gen Con, if I recall correctly. Yep, we just got um, back. Yeah, so so TFCon, like, you know, that that is a show where people are there for Transformers first, as opposed to a Gen Con where, where everyone's kind of there just, you know, for, for tabletop of some flavor. Yeah. Um, so, so what was it like running demos and character creation and everything? Um. It was, I, I, you know, it was really, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and and uh, like I said, I I have never been to a Transformers convention before, despite being a giant Transformers nerd my entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. But it always felt like, you know, I, I already made my job playing games. It seemed a little like a bridge too far to be like, ah, oh, it's my job to just go play with Transformers now. Um, <laughs> but having the, uh, you know, having the, 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 the new game, you know, tie in so well it made a lot of sense uh and i went up with, with uh two other members of the team which is uh uh gia Grillo and megan my wife uh megan jaffe mm-hmm. um and uh we were up um 
on our way up, uh, I, I was saying, you know, like I, I was happy to be wrong about it. But on the way up, I was like, I don't know how these people are going to react. I don't know if they're going to be into this. Uh, they might just be there to like, you know, pick up their, you know, whatever the new thing is and leave. And they're not going to want to do this. So this is kind of a fact finding mission for us. And we might have to go back to the drawing board if they're not into it. But we had lines out the door the whole time. It was it was fantastic. So uh, I was really happy to be wrong about that. Yeah, I, I wish I'd been able to come by on Saturday. I uh, like I ran into the thing of of I, I finished TFCon thinking, oh no, I didn't do everything, but I was also busy the whole time. And <laughs> uh, like Saturday, I was I was in one of those card tournaments, but I, I wish I'd been able to pop in for one of those uh, those those closed door like kind of demo. Uh, was it like a, a full demo scene you were running? One of the things that we've uh, started doing, especially if we're at like a smaller convention, is we do like a series of stage demos that like roll into each other. So if I'm mm-hmm. like at a huge show like Gen Con, I'll just run the same thing, you know, that, and I'll do multiple versions of the same story. Uh, but at TFCon, we had smaller groups that would kind of overlap. So we took that main story and separated it into three parts. So we do little minor demos of how to do character creation, how to run the game. And then uh, we did like three, like sort of four hour blocks that moved through a story set in uh, the default setting in Florida uh, with a group of robots uh, finding out that there's a, a prophecy about some sort of giant evil that was going to rise from the from the ocean uh, and mm-hmm. what they did to stop it. And uh, I, I guess just I'll, I'll I'll quickly pop in to say, like, for those of you who are tuning in who who weren't there to learn about this, uh, this is this is a tabletop RPG in the sense of it's a very it's a very as I took it a very storytelling driven tabletop with the uh, yeah highly narrative I would yeah. say. Uh, like, like the system is very like from, from I did a character creation uh, thing on Sunday and, and the system seemed like it was very much there were a lot of mechanics about the creation of your character and about who your character is less so than there are like like hard number mechanics of like, OK, like roll this to pick up a bottle or like roll this to to do that. It's it's a lot more you have a you have a sheet that represents who your character is. You are rolling dice and you're still you know, operating uh, collaboratively, but it is a lot more about the storytelling than about, like, you know, gaining uh, X number of points or, you know, you got to get this item for your character kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's very much uh, in in the vein of, like, uh, a like like a TV show or a movie. It's, it's, you know, it's about who they are and their development as characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to do something that would really sort of and this sounds weird but it's it's a key part i think of their transformers mythology and it's something that that i keep coming back to uh is that you know these these characters are ultimately very human i know they're like jet fighters and tanks and 30 foot robots but at the end of the day you care about who they are because they have these very human drives and ideals and things like that uh and i wanted to sort of bring that in and have that you know that sense of of humanity to it while not skimping on the fact that you get to turn into an awesome race car or a jet fighter and do awesome race car and jet fighter stuff. So we built the system to reflect both of those things. The thing that really drew me to your demo in the first place was that this was so uh, uh, storytelling driven. Like my my personal goals of RPGing is really like someday I want to get everyone to sit down to play a game of like lasers and feelings or something like that. Uh, <laughs> those ones that are very easy to like, and, and I think it's correct, where it's kind of like, People will say, does that mean you just want to sit down and have vaguely structured improv with a bunch of other people? And I'm kind of like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something wrong with, like, 
there used to be this whole school of thought in the gaming, you know, you know, in the gaming world of, you know, like arguing, well, it's better to be doing numbers or it's better to be doing just pure emotional role playing or pure uh structure and and who killed what and when. And you know, it's it's sort of been resolved that like, you know, whatever you want to play is best. <laughs> whatever yeah. if everyone's having fun at the table, that's that's a successful game. That's that's what it takes. Well, the one time I played D and D was at a, a PAX some years ago with a friend of mine who's a couple friends of mine. One of them is an excellent uh, DM or GM, I guess DM for D and D. And uh, it was when the system had switched to have like slightly more MMO style combat. And I just all I all I told him was I want to be a halfling and I want to shoot lasers. Uh, <laughs> and he he figured out a way for me to be a halfling paladin with like a daily power that shot like some kind of heaven bolt. And he's like, it's like a laser. And so I yeah. said, great. Uh, so we, we found a tavern full of hobgoblins and I said, okay, I want to use my daily on the door. Uh, so he said, go for it. So, you know, he, and he worked with me really well. Cause he's like, yeah, there's <laughs> mechanics, but clearly you want to shoot a laser through the front door. And I'm like, yes. Right. Yeah. So we, we did it. He says, all right, the shrapnel killed like, like five hobgoblins. What are you going to do next? I said, now nah, I want to jump in through the window next to the door. I blew open. Uh, <laughs> was, never let us see it a good time. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like, fun. Is, I want, I want to play this character. So the, the, the commandroid system, like it's within the the Rememorex system, which which is it exists. It is it is uh, purchasable. Um, it's out mm-hmm. there. Uh, drive through RPG. Yeah, drive through RPG. Um, if, also, if you want to see like the info page uh, that I'm looking at, there is a Rememorex dot com. Uh, there's a maybe a yep. slash supplement slash commandroids even. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the, the the crux of it, like Rememorex, at least the crux of it, which ties a, lo- a lot of these these ideas together, as you explained, it was sort of like Stranger Things, uh, where there is you know there is an there is some kind of incident going on. Um, Commandroids is a just a a big bundle of that incident also happening to be you know transforming robots. Um, and and you guys were talking about how you've also got like uh, a sort of a sort of. Um, how do I put this? Well, I skirt around names. So I like doing that. If there was like a, a music performer whose name was like uh, Ruby and the the <laughs> solid light images, uh, uh, we we say we say we've been saying new wave holograms. That's yes. that's uh, <laughs> I think the best way to put it. Uh, and and it doesn't always like there's people, but it still sort of evokes like you know your 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 kind of MTV, uh, you know, glitz glamour and that kind of a thing. And and that's definitely. Uh, part of this same universe that we're, we're building. So the first three that we're doing is um, Commandroids, A World Transformed, which is, yes, it's very obvious that it's hugely influenced by the Transformers, but also uh, Robotech and uh, and Voltron. And then, weirdly enough, there, there gets to be some Cronenberg in there later. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be going into that pretty deep. That uh, Not to not spoil the, the, the one part of this podcast, that connected with me enormously. Uh, so oh, cool. I, I got to throw some ramble about those, those nemesites. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 and that was something that when we initially came up with it, like the idea was to have uh, more of like a sort of religious angle to the, the Decepticon analog. And they, they, they got real Cronenberg in real fast. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, cause you bring in that pilot element. Um, and then, uh, uh, Megan is developing, uh, holomatics, a new wave order. Uh, which is the next one we're going to be doing uh, probably around 2021, um, and that is uh, again it's it's Gem and then Barbie and the Rockers and a little bit of uh, uh, Buckaroo Banzai, uh, and then uh, the next one we're doing after that is called Mermanons of Midkaria, and that's 
space barbarians and power princesses and uh you know thundercats mm-hmm. he-man uh black star that kind of you could have an evil wizard with a skull head for instance like uh, oh yeah absolutely some kind of some kind of staff that shoots like havoc everywhere um, yes some sort of goat head staff is mission critical I almost want to fast forward a bit because I'm I'm very excited about the stuff you shared about nemesites while I was in there. So so this setting, right? You have, you have your uh, your Simbatrons, which are the good guys, and mm-hmm. the nemesites, which are the bad guys. Simbatron resistance and the nemesite capacitors. Yes, and uh, and they've got logos. They've they've got uh, a very straightforward setup on the outset of like, okay, good guys, bad guys. Um, yeah, but there's a thing. There's a couple things about the nemesites which I think were extremely unique to the setting. I mean, Simbatrons uh, uh, as well, but like the the nemesites specifically just were uh, fascinating to me because, as you said, there's a, there's a very Voltron Robotech uh, twist to this, which which involves the the human pilot aspect. Yeah, um, and that was weirdly enough. That was where uh, like we we wanted to sort of take one element that would throw things into enough of a different you know enough of a different realm that it wasn't just us filing the serial numbers off the transformers and making a game about it where there's like another element um mm-hmm. and and you know you, if you do a deep enough dive like anybody that you know I, i'm assuming that anybody listening to this will probably know what the headmasters are and that there's a lot of that oh, yeah. going on um but for the average especially you know like the average gamer they're gonna be like, oh they have pilots that's and and, and we wanted to make the pilots feel a little bit more voltron like than uh than headmaster like mm-hmm. um and there's probably a bit of both in there um and uh you know we wanted to have it be a thing where you're you're sort of playing two characters and they can switch at the table um and that's part of the fun of it uh is We've learned with Rememorex that a lot of the fun of these games is sort of balancing the bizarre with the mundane and having part of the game just be that, like, you know, you're in math class and the school bully is breathing down your neck and says, you know, give me your lunch money or I'm going to beat you up at three o'clock. And then having to reconcile that with the fact that, you know, you know that there's like a ghost uh, in the house on the end of the, the lane or something, you know, like, so you've got like bizarre alien problems as well as very mundane normal kid problems um and taking that to the next level with commandra you can swap back and forth so this the the psyche and abilities of the kid and the psyche and the abilities of the robot can swap and you know so the bully comes up to punch you in the face and breaks his arm because he just hit a bulldozer in the face (laughs) <laughs> and the bulldozer is going to win the fight. But then your friends have to gather around this bulldozer and be like, all right, uh, you know, stop asking everybody what this earth substance is. It's called ice cream. You've known that your whole life, Billy. Come on. Uh, and so you get that kind of interesting uh, uh, character relationship aspect uh, on both sides of it, uh, where uh, the robots have their own, you know, thoughts and ideals and the. Mm. The pilot has their own, you know, ideas, and and they might not always line up. Uh, yeah. So, so like, 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 uh, as far as like the uh, the quote unquote science of the world, it's kind of like they could they could just straight up their their consciousnesses can swap places between the human and the the robot like shell, basically. Yep. Yes, but then the human gains all of the robot's powers as well. So you're like a 16 year old kid that could potentially, you know, fly and fire missiles and do anything that the robot can do. Yeah. They're just transferring it into the pilot. 
And it might be something that isn't necessarily even a fight. Like, you know, you, you might have to just swap between, you know, it, there might be something that requires your, uh, you know, you need like a plasma cutter so that you can get out of, uh, like, I don't know, uh, you know, you get locked in a freezer at a, at a local restaurant. So you, you, you swap with the robot. And now you've got the plasma cutter and you get out and, you know, then, uh, you're wandering around as this robot and you know, it doesn't exactly know how to deal with people. Uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, there's this, uh, you know, the scenarios are all very, you know, varied in terms of what happens. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun with the play tests on it. Um, well, the, the, the character creation thing I was in was just, it was a friend of mine, Eric, uh, Mechanova King on the boards, by the way, uh, and uh, another fellow who uh, I had not met before, and now his name escapes me. But we, we had uh, like a three-player character creation, and uh, even in that, it was kind of like just lots of little lots of little nuance, lots of little, little ideas, not just for what I was doing, but in everyone else. Like, uh, it was cool to see how everyone was parsing the system, like... Uh, me and the other guy were kind of very simply sort of going. We ended up both going for construction robots in a very, a fairly straightforward way. And then and then and then Eric was going for like, well, what if what if like I forgot if it was like they turned into a calculator or like a, a computer thing or something like that. He was, but, oh yeah, he did the uh, the little moth. It was the um, the moth. The, the, yes, the Walkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a Walkman. Uh, I saw him at Gen Con actually. Yeah, um, I think he was in Holomatics. Yeah, he uh, he was telling me he uh, he got in a game of uh, of what was it? It was like punk rock gem, and they had a nemesite power source. And uh, yeah, that was that was Holometics. Megan was running that. Yeah, yeah, he said he had a good time. Uh, I, I think good. I was supposed to pass that on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> consider the, it passed. Excellent, Eric. You better have listened to this because I'm not telling you I did this. <laughs> Uh, but the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the whole nature of that, of that bond, like, you know, in, in universe, the, the science quote unquote of it is like, there's, there's a biofeedback energy that is required for the, uh, the command droids to change form basically into their yeah. robot forms. And so the Simbatrons, yeah, like, they go for this, this, this partnership, this sort of friendly thing. And, and that's, that's the kind of the nature of it. Yeah. It's, uh, um, one one of the players pointed out to me that you know the the, the difference between a, a simbatron and an emissite is consent. So yeah. the simbatron <laughs> comes to you and and you know makes this you know this psychic you know request and says you know are you willing to do this and join with me and defend your planet? And only the most heroic and you know stout-hearted people are like yes I will. Uh, and then the nemesite just sort of pulls up to a crowded place, opens the door, and waits. And whoever is unfortunate enough to get inside, bam, they're done. Uh, yeah. And that's the last we ever see of that person. Oh, look, a free sports car. No, no, never, never a good deal. I so, think the way you described it was you put your hands on 10 and 2 and then just hooks come out into your knuckles and you're, you're kind of yeah, like, it's all right. Very Cronenberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, uh, the, the, at, at the podcast roundtable on Sunday, I was sharing. I have a couple nemesite anecdotes you guys had shared from like test campaigns you were you would run and you were you were telling us about after the character creation, and it just really stuck with me. and And I was sharing it partly because every time I was telling someone, at least one person I'm talking to will kind of blink and go like, "Wait, what? Wait, I want to know more about this." Oh, uh, great! Yeah, very cool. We're doing rules uh, for you know if, if we if we get up to the stretch goals, you know we'd we'd like to do uh, a section on playing the nemesites because it's always fun to play the bad guy. Oh yeah, uh, so oh, yeah. You know, and there's um, the people who pilot the nemesites are uh, um, uh, techno revenants. Uh, like they're there's there's sort of like robot undead, uh, and there's auto zealots who for whatever reason like. 
willingly go into that partnership. Uh, cyber ghouls are people who are sort of kept alive but addicted to the nemesite. And then necrotrons, which are just kind of robot zombies that they, you know, that they use to sort of keep themselves powered but don't, you know, have any real appearance of being alive anymore. Um, yeah. And they've been a lot of fun. Like, you know, they, they're really weird, scary villains. Uh, and they, so the, the nemesites um, are uh, the. They're obviously the bad guys. Uh, they're this weird pseudo-religious cult that worships an AI called the Mainframe that took over and mechanized their entire home planet, uh, which is what caused the Symbatrons to download their consciousnesses onto a uh, a artificial comet and launch it out into space uh, in the hopes of finding someplace new to inhabit. Uh, and... When uh, the mainframe, the, the great evil, uh, a giant evil robot planet who, you know, obviously has an analog out there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's, he sees that the Nemesites have failed to kill all the Semitrons. He says, you, you got to go after them. I, I, he's, he's exiled them until they come back with uh, proof that, you know, the, the, that the Semitrons have been destroyed. Um, and, you know, whether or not he's going to honor that deal is obviously up in the air. Uh, but that's up to you. You know, you're the players. You're you're coming up with yeah. the story. We've done uh, two years of playtests now, and like, there's been a lot of like different sort of stories and things that have come up. Uh, there's a few nemesites that have really sort of become like these recurring characters. Uh, Vector Ferox is this like black government helicopter that he's the uh, the head of the Inquisition, and he's sort of hunting everything down. He's very like. Uh, Hans Landa from uh, from Inglorious Bastards. He's, he's just yeah. this, this weird creep that is really good at finding the good guys. Uh, and then um, Axiom Symmetrica is like the you know the mad scientist. Uh, and there's another one that uh, the players have really enjoyed, like the love to hate of the big like three uh, is um, a uh, Thresher Combine named Ogre Vorax. Who's like a weird robot cannibal? <laughs> That's one of the ones I share immediately when I was telling people about that. Like a, a, a combine thresher that turns into a cannibal hillbilly robot. Uh, like think those aesthetics. There's there's like a there's a compact sentence to describe some of where that's going. It is that in the uh, the amusement park uh, were the ones that really stuck in my head. Like the abandoned amusement oh, park yeah. uh, combiner. The, the entire amusement park was a, was an evil combiner that was called uh, Nix Rictus. Um, so there's a whole weird religious element to this, um, that sort of brings in the Voltron aspect. Um, so their home planet of Quasaros, uh, used to have five different AIs that ruled over five different kingdoms. They were called the Mecha Shoguns. And of course there was a blue one, a red one, a green one, a yellow one, and a black one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they had these giant robots that would defend the planet on occasion. Um, when the mainframe took over... Uh, they thought they had destroyed the Mecha Shoguns, but they had just destroyed the robot bodies. They hadn't destroyed the Shoguns themselves. The AIs downloaded themselves into the Symmetrons and continued to live in the form of the Symmetrons' anchorites, which are like these... uh, They're called sacred subroutines. So in a weird way, they're kind of like a cleric class. They're kind of like a priest class, but they're also the ones that serve as the base for the Combiners. Um, and in the game, anybody, any group of robots can combine. It's just having an anchorite makes it a little bit easier. Um, so any group of players, if you, your table decides they want to get together and make one giant robot, 
they will be able to do it. Um, <laughs> but an anchorite gives you the ability to sort of take on the power of one of the uh, one of the the great mecha shoguns, and each of them has like different abilities. So there's one that's called Raid N, who is like kind of like a grappler. He's like just a all like fist fight, you know, getting close and smash whatever he's going up against. Whereas uh, there's another one that's called uh, Master Control Kambatra, and she's the keeper of secrets and she's all about knowledge. So she's more of like a, a distance fighter. He's got like eye beams and lasers and lightning. Um, and we wanted to have this cool aspect to the combiners and, and when you combine, like, you know, you can do like different cool things with it. Because uh, that tends to be the crescendo of any combiner story. And, and, you know, it works out that it's the same part of the game. That's where the players really get to shine and do awesome stuff. Uh, and you want to give yeah. everybody like a chance to sort of bring something into it. Uh, so if your character is a helicopter, you might be like, all right, I'm going to have a giant spinning rotor blade that you know that's that's my contribution is this is going to be our weapon or you know somebody who's like a like like a giant dump trucks like well i'm going to be the armor plating you know um and it's designed to accommodate for that like you build this thing together and then uh uh you you know you go into combat but we realize that the bad guys have to have an equivalent thing so we tried to come up with for a while what would be this weird evil robot cultist what aspects how do we give them these like you know the the same variation of giant robots that they could build uh and it was like right before we went to tfcon uh i had this i was watching the movie again as i do just kind of leaving it on in the background for inspiration that scene of the uh uh spare me this mockery of justice uh, the imperial magistrate we were like oh the five faces so that became uh, a thing, and Nick's rictus grew out of the idea that you know one of the faces is laughter. I'm like, oh man, what would a laughter-based combiner that was also evil be? And I realized, oh wait, there's those you know the the weird stuff at the fair. Those are all giant machines. Why wouldn't you have that turn into some sort of giant horrifying robot? So that that's where that thing came from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, that that's one of that's that's my other favorite one to just to, like share with someone when when I'm telling them about about this whole thing like the 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 um you know spoken word for the most part aesthetics of the nemesites I think like for whatever reason that's like a real like key flavor that I think was was setting this apart for me enormously compared to my you know uh, assumptions going in um, oh well, thanks. Yeah, no worries. Uh, is that <laughs> also just it's that the the commandroids um, front like I guess sort of cover image that we've seen of the you know the the guy with the the bouquet of flowers behind his back as he's walking up to the the uh, feminine looking giant robot uh, says a whole lot to me just about like the character interaction side of of this system. Oh, that's great! I'm glad to hear that. Hey, we we realized pretty early on that like. You know, anytime that you're going to have a 30 foot robot meeting another 30 foot robot, there's going to be punching. You're, you, it's it's part and parcel with the system that obviously there's going to be a lot of robot fights. But we wanted to sort of have something that stressed that these things are huge, kick ass, awesome robots. But also, you're going to be you're not just going to be fighting. This is about their relationships and their their lives with each other, and, and yeah. you know how that you know that progress takes place as well as punching other robots, which is always fun. Like the the immediate place I went in in my head, I think I mentioned it when I was in the room. Is it it made me immediately think of uh, in the the recently ended IDW continuity. Um, there's a new one, so you know those comics are still happening. But the the one that recently oh, yeah. ended, uh, we we had this this wonderful little like family of Thundercracker, 
the uh, you know giant F-15 or sometimes F-22, I guess now, uh, blue Decepticon. Uh, and Marissa Fairborn, like one of the the commanders of of Earth Force or whatever, and a dog, and they kind of yeah. just form this familial unit. Yeah, I love that story. Uh, that's honestly one that we we've, we've talked about a lot. Uh, uh, I think that's uh, that was one of the ways that I managed to get some of the other people in the team on board was showing them that story and the the idea of Thundercracker and his failed replays it. Uh, was it uh, Susan Journier and Josh Boyfriend, her boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that he's not just that he's trying to be a screenwriter. The thing that just makes it so delicious is that he's so bad at it. Like I yeah. love that, and uh, he has he has this absolute confidence as well. Like the like the, but the yeah, background it absolutely of it humanizes is... him. I mean, that's that's exactly oh, yeah. what I was talking about. Like he's he's so relatable in that way. He's like he's he's a sixty foot tall robot who's also a bad screenwriter. That's brilliant. Yeah, the 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 thing they did with him, like they had this all hail Megatron uh, event some years ago to sort of re, you know kickstart interest in the comics again and it's you know uh, megatron wins and it was a whole storyline but then after that there were characters who were kind of just off the radar and then the, the reveal on thundercracker where they were like yeah he's actually just been living in a cave watching tv for the last five years and deciding yeah, so he's good, good at it <laughs> ah, i love that story so much and the thing that i also liked about it was that you know, I'm I'm very old school G1. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of aware of the other stuff uh, that's come after, but I I I don't know stuff after Armada as well. I kind of know Beast Wars, uh, but you know, my heart lives in G1. Uh, and throughout pretty much that entire story, like I think there, Thundercracker's whole personality was the blue one. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> He had Starscream, everybody knows his deal. And then Skywarp, when he had any chance to sort of show his individuality, was just that he was the jerk who thought that, you know, kicking somebody in the face was a funny prank. And then the blue one. Yeah. Who, I think in like one episode, sort of was like, maybe I shouldn't be a Decepticon. And then immediately forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having yeah. him have like a lot of personality that just didn't come out in wartime is so fantastic. It's so great. It's, it's it's one of my favorite things about about uh the the last I would say about five six years of IDW was just like letting the setting just be it's post war, uh so all these characters that were like eighties cartoon characters now have to deal with you know life <laughs> they, yeah they have to I, deal with I absolutely love that stuff it was so good and the thing that I thought was really bizarre about it uh, was I was reading one of the ones where uh, like Bumblebee is in control of Cybertron and like. I think he was, it was like right around when he was like, it was somehow they were going to turn it over to Starscream. Uh, and I remember reading it and I'm like, in it, you know, it was talking about like the combiners potentially starting up again. And I'm like, nobody has turned into a car or a jet in like this entire, <laughs> like it's entirely yeah. about these things as people. Like the fact that they turn into like cars and stuff has become very incidental. And I, I mean, you know, the the part of me that loves the toys is not thrilled about that, but the part of me that loves a good story loves it. Uh, oh yeah! So that was that was really cool. Uh, Starscream actually got control. He was duly elected, uh, so it yeah. was all it was all above board. Aside from the part where he might have killed one of the other people running, uh, hmm. but he's duly elected, and uh, and yeah. we had the we had about a half decade of President Starscream, which is I think my favorite Transformers story setting that has ever been written. Uh, it's good stuff. I, I can go on about that for ages. Um, oh yeah, totally. 
You, you mentioned I, I should I should bring this up because you mentioned stretch goals. Command Droids is a Kickstarter that is currently ongoing. Yes, uh, it is running. currently in its yeah. Uh, we just we're we're we need you know just as many people to look at it and get on board as possible. We have got all kinds of cool stuff. You can uh, if you have a character that you've always wanted to see. Uh, one of the really cool things we can do is uh, we've got one where we're going to have like a dossier that's kind of like an old like catalog uh, and it'll have art of these different characters that you can sort of plug into your game and you can create uh, the characters, you know, so if you've always wanted to have, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, an F-14 that was a spy and you've had it in your head, this is, this is your chance, you know, um, or, you know, something like that. We've got at this point, I think a hundred vehicles that you can choose from. Um, mm-hmm. And we can drop in more as, as time goes on. You know, it's one of these things where we're, we keep making more of them. Uh, and there's some weird stuff too. Like uh, um, one of the demo characters is a uh, arcade cabinet, which I don't think there's ever been a transformer of. I could be uh, there wrong. Is not. There, there has been, there have been game controllers and game consoles, but never an arcade cabinet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I'm kind of surprised there wasn't. Um, yeah. You know, but that's the sort of thing. And in one of the demos we did, uh, there was a VCR that was menacing uh, the players. Uh, it was a, a Nemesite VCR who was was coming after them with his little minions, uh, Hellraiser <laughs> and Creepshow. Uh, that's excellent. Did, so did Hellraiser just, like, like erupt some little spikes out of its head or... Yeah, they, when they never actually saw him, he was under uh, he was under a uh, um, under some stairs. They just saw the glowing red eyes. But yeah, he definitely yeah. has little <laughs> spikes on his head and a little like he's got yeah, like a little box and stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> and Creepshow was uh, I, the, the 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 simultaneous best and worst part of this game is coming up with characters that I dearly wish I had figures of. Uh, yeah. And Creepshow is one of them. He's this little like spider who the the silk is the. Uh, is the video cassette tape? So he like wraps people up in the videos in the videotape and stuff. Oh, I, that's like, cool, right? I was like, man, I want one of these. <laughs> well, it's just like down Eric is coming up with with the moth uh, robot. That mode moth for that, is that so cool. He's also I wish sitting I, there drawing it because that happens to be part yeah, of his I vocation. I, like, uh, uh, I wish I'd written down the name. It had a cool name, but I can't remember it. I feel bad about that. I'm sorry, Eric. I, I'll, I'll, I'll find the name. It'll be in the book. If he's listening, uh, then he's got. I think he's still got that picture he drew with the name on it. So he's, he's Eric. You got to get on this. All right. I'm, I'm saying this to you specifically. I hope you're listening. We're calling you. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, Kickstarter is running until uh, September second. Um, yes. According to the Kickstarter page, and uh, yeah, uh, head head on over and check that out as well. Um, that's under the nerd uh, nerdy city projects. Mm-hmm. Um. And I believe it's also I, I saw the link on the Commandroids page on rememorx.com. So it, it's it's findable. They got uh, the, this team has got their uh, their what do you call it hyperlink synergy uh, all all in action here. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I it it's whenever you do a Kickstarter, like the 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 big thing is just waking up in the middle of the night, going, "How do I get more people to look at this?" You know, it's <laughs> it's a twenty four yeah. hour seven day a week job and i i every time i'm like ah there's more people i could you know i just want to you know you got to get it out there in front of as many people as possible uh but you don't want to like you know be obnoxious about it or like sort of overdo it so you just kind of well, the the science of crowdfunding uh something still amazes me like just the, the the you know the rhythm of it the part where uh you know there there is this period where actually there is supposed to be this is the one that that wowed me um 
I think people have been applying it to that Unicron uh, crowdfund that's going on right now, where people are like, oh, in, in, in one of these, there's supposed to be, like, a one-week period of kind of, like, nothing happening, because uh, that's yeah, people that's... finding out about it. And I'm like, okay. And I can tell you from personal experience, that one week is the most terrifying week of your life. Like, <laughs> it happened on Rememorix. It happened on uh, on RPG Nasty. I know it's going to happen on Commander. It's the only thing where it's is that, like, there is a part where people start to pull back. They're, like... And that's again, it's just part of it, you know, that they'll be like, oh, I, I pledged this much and now I don't have it and they'll, they'll pull it down or whatever. But every mm-hmm. time you see that, like your blood goes to ice, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a scary thing. Like, um, at least people know more about how, how these systems work now. Cause I, I remember some years ago, one of the most frustrating things for me with a Kickstarter I was interested in was when people were like, well, why should I back it if I don't think it's going to get funded? And I was just sitting there going like, I oh, don't yeah. know. Well, go and it—it's a yeah. zero risk thing. Go do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, the the good news though is that there's always like an upswing at the end, and uh, yeah. that that always helps. Um, but I mean, we're we're looking really good on on kick track right now. Everything is is coming along pretty great. Uh, we we managed to get a third of the way there in the first week which is really solid we've never done something this ambitious before but like i said we wanted to do something that's going to be bigger and better than any of our other projects and again we're not like a huge publishing house we're like six people out of jersey city who've you know just had these ideas for games that we wanted to play and wanted to have other people play them with us and there's only one way to do that um the thing that i'm most excited about for uh uh commandroids uh is I think there's a way, like I'm still working on it, but um, I, I think there's a way that we can do the original style tech specs from the old G1 boxes mm-hmm. and make uh, the little, like the little red window available at conventions. So if you come oh, pick up the red yeah. window from us, you can read those little coded messages that'll be in the book. Um, and I'm really excited for that. I really want to get that in there. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun and make the book kind of into a toy. With the art, we've got like these incredible artists, and, and I keep telling them the same thing: is that like you know, I, w- I want to do these characters in a way that you want to pick them up and play with them. So like having that, and then having this this other element where you can literally play with the book is something that I really want to do. I also got to give like like big shouts out for having a like you know planning around doing a physical book because like especially as a small team like I I have some very distant tertiary experience with the with the notion of like publishing anything physical. Um, so my, my brother self published a, a graphic novel and and that is a, a oh, ton yeah. of work. Uh, yeah. So like <laughs> you know that uh, taking that on as part of the Kickstarter like I I I fully appreciate like that's that's a that's a big that's that's a big project to deal with like on top of you know making the game like I've seen games that, that just operate as PDFs for sale uh, and so th- this is like I like the idea that you guys are are also still going for the you know the full physical book thing the tech spec reader uh, side of it I think would just be a cherry on top. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> it's a we. I found like when you're running a game, especially with people who are new to it, it's just best to have something physical that you can hand to them. And, you know, this is what it, you know, you can also print out a PDF, but, um, you know, part of it is also just in the presentation, you know, uh, there's a thing about a game where you're sort of, everybody's agreeing to this set of rules. And, uh, if you have something that presents that set of rules in a way that sort of evokes what you're going for, uh, so in this case, like uh, all of the Rememorex books at this point all share a look that is they, they look like old VHS tapes. 
And Command Droid is one where we're going to have that kind of, uh, we want it to sort of look like a tape, but also like one of the original boxes. So, you know, mm-hmm. with the grid and everything. So they, you know, you just pick up the book and you're like, I know what this is. You know, yeah. that, that sort of sense of both nostalgia and sense memory that'll, that'll get you with just what you're looking at and what you're holding. Uh, and, you know, that, that means we got to make a book. So, yeah. Plus, it's nice to just have something there when you're done with all of the work. Just be able to pick something up and be like, we made this. It's here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, off off of a Kickstarter as well, like like especially I think like a crowdfunded thing that results in in just like a physical piece uh, is a closed it's a closed circle system that I really like. Um, you know, not, not, I'm absolutely not trying to to you know dash anything on something that's fully digital, but like if if the means are there and the experience is there, like a, a physical book is just, it means a lot in 2019. I think like going over to to video games like there are games where it's almost like the physical copy version is a limited run collector piece that we're doing because you all bought a digital but you know for for the people with a shelf we've got like a, a run of 1500 copies of a a disc in a box right and like that's that's almost like a, a retro draw now uh, but that's a weird thing like uh music is the same way uh oh, yeah, i know yeah. that uh uh, Cybertronic Spree just did their their album of uh, the the original '86 uh, uh, movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just did that on Kickstarter, and uh, I, I'm I, I saw that they had a cassette of uh, their single, and I was I, I I don't remember if they had the cassette that they were going to do of uh, if there is a cassette, I'm picking it up. That's all I'm saying. I know I backed it. Yeah. I don't remember if I did it that, but if they eventually do a cassette, I'm definitely getting the cassette. Uh, a lot of well, people they're... collect the vinyl. I, I, I love having the little, like, you know, cassettes. And I think it probably ties back to the fact that I love Transformers and they had cassettes and not vinyl. Also, cassettes, I think, I think cassettes make for nothing against vinyl. I think cassettes are a cooler looking shelf and also they're more portable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they're not. Sometimes they the turn into play. Panthers. That's pretty great. Yeah, that, I mean, when, and when that happens, like, <laughs> hey, you got a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, um, oh, I was going to go somewhere with that, and I just slipped my mind. I'm thinking about cassettes turning into Panthers. Oh, I remember what it was. Uh, the, uh, one of those, those, uh, uh, intro videos you'd played for us on the projector. Um, one of those was, had some footage from a music video, um, by a, an artist named Carpenter Brute, who I really like. And, yes. uh, Carpenter Brute and Perturbator are a couple of synthwave artists I really, really got into in the last few years. Um, off the back of a video game, oddly enough. And, uh, like, I bought all their music on Bandcamp because that's the primary way that they sell it. And they're doing great just doing that because, you know, you get you get stuff of theirs off Bandcamp, often at pay-what-you-want uh, setups. And then afterwards, you're like, well, I really like this. And you go to look at their merch store, and it is just, you know, here's all the albums, but on every single format. Right. Uh, like, right down to, to audio cassette. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's kind of cool. Like I, I, I certainly there's, am there's happy. something very weirdly authentic about picking up synthwave on, on cassette. It yeah. Feels right. and, and also to do it because you like the band and not just cause like, this is the only way to sample it. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, it gives us that nice balance. Between, like, cause I, I'm happy that we, we don't have, you know, um, mountains of landfill being created just for the sake of having the media available but uh to have the option of the physical item uh there once you're into it i think is a really it's 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 the nice way uh to continue making you know plastic whatever yeah that's Um, that's true that's a good way to put it yeah uh i I also just like to justify my own landfill a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) well i I definitely have more than enough plastic as well uh both in terms of cassettes and transformers there's no question there 
Well, it's a bit of a tangent. I meant to ask, like, because uh, I mean, I, I saw you guys messing around with some stuff, but did you have a, a decent haul out of TFCon? Like, while you were you were so busy doing these demos, but uh, whenever you guys did oh, get the yeah, chance yeah. to poke yeah. around. So it was a weird thing on Saturday. I didn't get to go to the dealer's hall at all. Uh, and and it, it it felt like the little kid like looking out the window at the other kids all having a birthday party. <laughs> I was like, I want to be there. Um, and I had never seen that much of the third party stuff in one place. Somebody told me that TFCon Toronto is where like the third party guys all show up with their cool new stuff. And of course, that was also the weekend that like like the siege whatever wave that had refractor in it dropped back in the states. So yep. it was just. A madhouse, right? And and so uh, I wound up, uh, yeah, I picked up a, a bunch of stuff. The, the main thing that I got for myself was uh, I got the little alligator con, the alley con. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Oh, the yeah, one, yeah, the, the uh... Bot Weep, Grana, Weep, Nitty Bong guys. Those guys. I was so screamingly excited that there's a physical object of that. You know, I've wanted yeah. one of those for so long. I mean, I wanted one of those when I was like, like i oh that's so cool there, there's a um, history to that figure that is that is fascinating um the the guy who designed who, like one of the guys who who worked on that who i i believe i would name as the main designer uh azim uh vengsta uh online um he, he he'd worked on an alicon for another third-party company called impossible toys who who no longer exists and it was this slightly larger alicon that was kind of like it, it looked and felt like a sort of posable g1 toy for better and for worse and huh. that's that smaller one was kind of like to me it was him getting to like properly finish off doing an alicon like i think that figure is is fantastic i got like oh it's so cool i think i've got about three of them and uh they also had like a variant as a dino bot um that they had oh, a, a convention a couple years ago um huh. with had like he had like a, a, a normal robot head you know like the, the dinobots all had sort of normal looking heads so they put one of those on him right. and did him in, in dinobot colors it totally worked uh huh now I got to keep an eye out for that. See, I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there was that. There was a like um, uh, there was some version of exhaust, um, and uh, I, I got that primarily so I could explain it to a friend of mine who didn't <laughs> know that it existed. Uh, you know that that weird wheeljack version that was like the most like. You, it was like the, the the worst choice of things to put together into a toy in the eighties, where he was like, "Oh, well, he, it's okay. He's, he's got a cigarette out ad on him, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. We made him a bad guy who uses cigarettes to kill people." Like, wait, what are you doing? You know, like everything about that just was nuts. Uh, and uh, there was a um, the the big thing that I got was uh, the uh, the Victorian box set. But that was for my entire team. Uh, so each of us took one of the the ladies out of the box set so that, like, everybody in Nerdy City, when we get together, we, we've got a podcast uh, that we do with the Rememorex called Not a Test. Rememorex, Not a Test uh, by Casey Edison. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a little plug there. Uh, whenever we get together, we build Victorian, and then we do the podcast. That's our new tradition. Oh, excellent. So each of us has uh, one part. Uh, I think I've got dust up. I, I'd have to look. I don't remember which one it is that I went back with. Um, I know that Casey got rust dust. I feel a little bit bad about that because she's smaller than all the others. But she that's one of my herself. favorite names, though. It's it's a a remarkably difficult name to say quickly. There's, it is. there's a lot of consonant noises. <laughs> rust dust. 
You sound a little Rust drunk to when dust. you Rust dust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird. It's one of those Transformers names that it seems like it would be difficult to yell in the middle of a fight. Hey, Rust dust, get over here. Yeah, I guess you'd <laughs> be a little like, why, do, why do none of you ever pronounce the first T? You just keep calling me Rust dust. Uh, Russell Dust, please report to Victorian. <laughs> That's not my name. <laughs> but then, you know, weirdly enough, like I, I've been in love with Siege, and like you know, my friends and I, like this is a first. Like I've always been the guy that'll like you know head out, you know, in the middle of the day or even late at night and go hunting. I, I, I don't buy stuff online because I feel like that's a dangerous road for me. So I would do this thing where mm-hmm. like, oh, if I press this button. I have less money, but a Transformer shows up. And then the next day, yeah. uh, my wife would be like, we don't have a house. And that's Metroplex. So what happened? And so I, I don't. I, I try to keep the, the hunting to literally what I can go out and get from various stores. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always kind of, that's always also been fun. Of, uh, part of the fun of it for me is, you know, like if I'm having a bad day and I come into a place and it's like, ah, there's Soundwave, you know, that's great. That's a good feeling. And, you know, it's, it's not really the same to just, you know, oh, uh, somebody sent me Soundwave. There he is. He's at my door. So yeah. I've been hunting down, like, you know, I found one refractor and between myself and Gia, we're going to need six. So that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Siege has been awesome uh, because, you know, it's something you go out and get. Um, but I was just bummed about, like, there there seems to be so few Decepticons. Like, the, the, the ratio seems to be so overwhelmingly in favor of the Autobots. Even if you use, you know, guys like Brunt mm-hmm. as a troop builder, like, there's still just a lot more Autobots than Decepticons. And I, I kind of want it to be more even i always take it as like this this sort of combination of like uh the there's always this sort of um industry tone which is just the hero toys sell better uh and then transformers in in animated back in 08 sort of introduced the idea of of what if also the decepticons are individually so powerful there's fewer of them because it that's all that they need and yeah it, it's it's cool narratively but also but then toyetically i'm kind of like yeah but also i'd like some more decepticons <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, it's very weird that they brought that up. Like, it, 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 it's kind of been part of it since Jump Street, right? Like, if you even look at, like, the first wave in 84, you know, there's, like, mm-hmm. you know, a handful of Decepticons versus, like, uh, you know, like a dozen, two dozen Autobots. Uh, yeah. And no other... I can't think of anything else that's like that, where the the villains are, like, so powerful that it requires multiple heroes to take. It's usually the other way around. Uh, or you get something where, like, you know, you, the, the most classic setup is that there's, like, a small handful of named villains, and then they have, like, zillions of stormtroopers or whatever they call them. And Transformers have done that kind of with the Decepticlones. But, like, yeah. they've never been, like, a, 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 they're not part of the, the zeitgeist of it. Like, you never think of there being, like, some generic Decepticon troop that is out there. Uh, you know, in, in the same way that, like, you know, Cobra had the... The Vipers or, you know, the, the Empire has the Stormtroopers. Um, mm-hmm. So it just seems like, you know, these guys are just, they're, they're really badass and it takes a lot more good guys <laughs> to take them down. Uh, they, which is they got very unique. They got they got very close in, in uh, the 2011-2012 series. They introduced the Viacon, um, 
I mean, there were Viacons before then in, in Beast Machines, but the, the prime Viacon was was supposed to be kind of the, the faceless Decepticon trooper. And it's an right. excellent design, which which even had one of the best toys in the line, which was a joy to troop build. Uh, it's the only time I've ever troop built a Transformer past three. Like, I think I have at least 10 or 20 Viacons of varying different, like, uh, oh, cool. types and, and colorways. It's just a beautiful toy that I am happy to purchase over and over again. And and they kind of just disappeared. Like, they, they showed up briefly in, in the RID 2015 cartoon, but... The the Viacon kind of got got left to prime, and it, it. I always I always hope to see some form of that Viacon come back because uh, it was it was a great way to balance things out of like you know we'll we'll have the Decepticon Stormtrooper, but also it'll look super cool. Uh, yeah, in, in a very in a very mundane with... and sleek way. Yeah, Brunt is kind of like that. The the, the weaponizer for Siege. Yeah. Um, there've already been like two weaponizers for the Autobots because there was a uh, there was Six Gun, which as a kid that had Metroplex, like it seems very weird to me that he'd have his own toy now. Like I feel like he's yeah. earned it, but it just <laughs> struck me as really weird. Uh, and then they did Cog, who I guess was part of Fortress Maximus. Uh, I never had a Fortress mm-hmm. Maximus, so I don't know. Um, and then Brunt came out, and he 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 just looks like a, a, a troop builder. He's he's got that very like sort of Cylon. Uh, stormtroopery face to him, um, yeah. and I know that there was just the one brunt uh, on Trypticon, right? He was he was like Trypticon's tank. He didn't turn into anything. He, he was he was kind of a drone. Yeah he, he, yeah, he was just he was he was basically a chest piece that they put wheels onto in a way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and this one here, like I, I'm I'm actually looking at him right now. He he's it's it's exactly what you'd think that tank would turn into. Uh, and he does yeah. look like there's more than one of this guy. Uh, he just doesn't have the look of being the only one. I, I don't know how to describe that. Uh, no, he, has, like, he has a kind of troop builder feel to him. Yeah, he's got like a mass-produced aesthetic. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you can you look I think at him and based you think, off oh, that's, like, a, that's a chassis. He's he's based off of uh, what was supposed to be some sort of troop type in the IDW comics, like Centurion droids or something like that. Um, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not 100. percent I'd have to look it up. Uh, and then they did Refractor, who is uh, apparently short packed or something, because I can't find him anywhere. Uh, I oh, found d- don't, one. Don't worry, uh, Diamond Distributing. When they ship out their versions of Refractor to comic stores, they're as far as I, last I heard, they're just doing cases of Refractor, so the market will flood. Oh. Uh, beautifully. Yeah, I'm gonna have a ton of them because <laughs> yeah. right now I've been hunting all over. I haven't, but I did find they did the uh, they did the Seekers set. Um, they did the Rainmakers, and that just showed up yeah. at Target. And I literally picked that up yesterday um, because uh, I've been incredibly stressed because having a Kickstarter is incredibly stressful. And I was like, yeah, this will be nice. <laughs> That'll take yeah. the edge off. Um, so the and I showed it to some robots. Exactly. That's that's what the whole game is about. And I took yeah. it back, and uh, and uh, Gia was uh, she looks at it. She's like, they, they all look like knockoffs. They're all like, even their guns are the same color, which is weirdly exactly what they're supposed to look like. It's it's bizarrely accurate that they look like knockoffs of actual Transformers while being actual Transformers. Yeah, it's like we made this three pack of animation errors that we came up with names for, and, yeah. and here they are. <laughs> um, it's so weird to me, like that whole history of them starting off as like pseudo animation errors and are now like their own characters with their own stories and things like that. I love when things like that happen. 
Oh yeah, um, like the the new cartoon did some stuff with the Seeker body, like with with Slipstream as kind of the Seeker commander. And I only watched uh, most of the first season, but by the end, like I was getting, I was falling in love with those characters because they were just this this group of of similarly shaped kind of bungling robots. And Slipstream is this very competent commander left with this you know uh, squad of of kind of perpetual failures and I start, I start rooting for them like even though they're the bad guy so goons they <laughs> is starscream a seeker in that or is he something else uh i i can't remember specifically starscream and uh shockwave are are like in command to the point where they call slipstream on a on a big spooky monitor and yell about what she's supposed to be doing while she's oh, okay. almost like act- she's like middle management of oh, okay you know, that's the- that's cool yeah i did a uh i did an ama on wednesday uh, we're talking about commanderites. I, I bring it back. Um, right. And yeah. uh, in the AMA, it became canon. It'll be in the book that there will be a big spooky monitor with a holographic skull that represents uh, the mainframe that'll be telling the the nemesites what to do. I I, oh, I love that trope of the, the the evil monitor being like, "Yeah, you bunglers," and you know the bad guys yeah. doing stuff. I mean, it's weird because uh, the. The system uh, that we came up with for designing this thing is sort of weirdly based off of the old uh, World of Darkness games in the 90s, mm-hmm. where what we wanted to do was take something that was inherently sort of goofy and cheesy and look at it as seriously as we possibly could, starting with transforming robots and working our way into high fashion uh, new wave holograms and space barbarians. Uh, mm. So... We wanted to kind of have these like original tropes of like the evil skull telling the bad guy like, oh, you failed again. But like, how do you do that in a way that makes it, you know, that brings it back to being something that's kind of present and, you know, and threatening and no longer quite so silly. Uh, Or at least you don't realize it was silly until after you stop and think about it for a minute. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, that was, it was, uh that was exactly one of those tropes was constantly every time, you know, they, they would come to the guy on the, the big screen, whether it was Megatron or Hordak or whoever they, would, you know, what have you done? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Goofy. I, it's a, it's, it's one of those tropes that um, like the way I always put it is, is it's a trope that works in a modern piece of media. As long as the media itself is completely, as long as the media itself is straight faced when it is sharing this, like, you know, a big spooky face will appear on a monitor, but it's the media is completely dead serious about what's happening. For me, it works. Like, yeah, exactly. It, that's yeah, that's that's no. what we're trying to do. It, it, the, as long as the media isn't kind of looking and winking at me in the delivery, going like, "Ah, right, it's pretty yeah, dumb." Then I'm kind of like, "Okay, well, now you're telling me." <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, that's exactly right. In, in that, you know, uh, having that complete sincerity uh, with something, you know, that normally doesn't get that treatment is is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, you know, this is not tongue in cheek. We're we're taking it very seriously. I mean, you have, you have, like I said, you, you guys have some excellent um, just setting ideas. Like the the one other one that I uh, I don't mean to keep like going back to Nemesite things, but there's there's one other one that really stuck with me is when you described kind of their version of Megatron in the setting, uh, who 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 turns into an ICBM and her consort turns into a missile carrier. Uh, oh right. Uh, I was like, that's Omega that's Polaris. A, yeah, that's like an excellent like that to me. And that, again, that's an excellent encapsulation of like this. These are all obviously like if you really want to drill into them, like why would a robot turn into an ICBM? But it's like there's a there's a very deadly 
uh, sense of risk to that when it's presented completely straight faced is like a religious zealot leader who turns into a nuke. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, 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 spooky. I, I'm still waiting on some of the art for that. Cause like, I love the idea. Like I, I picture it in my head of her, like having the, 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 the war head kind of like the, the, the miter and then, you know, the, the various cowlings on the missile kind of looking like ecclesiastical robes. Yeah. Um, and she's the techno exarch. She's like the evil robot, uh, Pope, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she's she's the one that that communicates directly with the mainframe. The most um, dangerous Pope hat in existence. Oh yeah, that's radioactive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I we started out. We were going to have like the those two characters were were a lot of where the game came from was the idea of Omega Polaris and her analog being um, Alpha Columbia. Uh, um, Alpha is you know sort of the Optimus Prime type, and she's a uh, um, she's a space shuttle. Um, and the, the vehicle modes are kind of humanity at our best and worst. Yeah. Uh, and when we started playtesting, they were a bit more present, but we realized that, that, you know, the problem with having an Optimus Prime type or even a Megatron type is that they overshadow the players very quickly. And the last thing that makes a game fun is having the players sit around and watch, you know, the, the, the director tell themselves a story. Uh, especially mm-hmm. a story about how cool their own characters are. So we <laughs> we went back to the drawing board and said, okay, well, what if these guys are missing and the others are all looking for them? That gives anybody a chance to sort of rise to the position of the hero. And, like, it makes everybody potentially, like, an Ultra Magnus or a Hot Rod or a Springer. Like, everybody can potentially take that role of, of leadership um, and even in a Nemesite situation, you've, you've got, you know, without, like, the head of the organization bringing down the thunder. Uh, you can have people rise into higher positions and take control of the situation, um, which is, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, 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 at the very base level as well, like the, the fun of a game like this is it gives you the, like the basic tool set and some very straightforward rules at the, at the outset to come up with cool stories, which to me is kind of the joy of, in my very limited experience, the joy of an RPG. Um, oh yeah. At, at the outset, so um, like just since we're since we're kind of like bringing this full circle, I'll just say like like cause the the one thing I know uh, like the one easy question to be asked is like so you know why would I want to play a game like this? And so I'm part of the reason I wanted to do this recording is to kind of lay out like why I think this is cool, clearly why you think this is cool, and then to say, like, like you know, if you, if you want to try tell, telling some cool stories, if you got friends you think you could meet up with to collaboratively tell cool stories, that's what a system like this, to me, like, like represents really well. And it helps that I find the villain uh, robot side of this setting particularly inspiring for, for just, like, character concepts, for plot ideas, and etc. Uh, so, uh... So go 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 join the Kickstarter because I want this to exist, please. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, I also very much want this to exist. I have I have a, a small modicum less of bias, but I also agree. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> I would like this to exist. Um, so uh, you all are sounding like you really want to come by TFCon again next year. In oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, barring some sort of major disaster, we will definitely be there. That was all a right. lot of fun. And. Um, um, if folks want to keep up with, with what you're up to, um, uh, where should they go? Uh, I think the best place right now is rememorex.com. Uh, that has all of the information on Rememorex, which is our sort of flagship book. 
uh, and Command Droids is on there, and it'll take you to the Kickstarter. It'll tell you a little bit about the Radical Shadows universe, which is the one that the Command Droids are part of. Um, and uh, you know, if you uh, if if you like what you see and you want to pick it up, uh, it's on Drive Through RPG. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Nerdy City or Rememorex on Facebook, and you know, um, you can email us at nerds at nerdycity dot com. Uh, Nerds at nerdycity.com. I misspoke that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll answer any questions you have. We, we're always happy to help you out. Yeah, and uh, like speaking from the the you know at least like a couple hours in the afternoon experience, these are these are cool folks to talk to. Uh, also, I just talked to one of them for about an hour, so, you know, still cool folks (laughs) to talk to. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the the attitude is there that I really enjoy. Like, the way you guys described this whole, you know, kind of quote unquote shared universe as like, uh, it's like you recorded this, uh, we use the same VHS cassette and recorded different shows over top of each other and they're all kind of bleeding together. Like, it, it makes, it makes for a setting that is like, is it's a very open setting the way that I like it. It makes me think a little bit oddly of, of good old city of heroes, uh, a setting that is, that has built in reasons why basically any concept you can think of could exist in there. Um, this is a little bit more organic though. Like city of heroes, the whole crux was you find out at the end of the game, Oh, there's a, there's a whole corporation called portal core and they have portals everywhere. So literally any character concept you have, once you beat the game, once you just like, Oh yeah, I'm an elf. I came from a portal. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fifties detective. I came from a, a portal <laughs> right uh in this case there's there's a lot more going on like you have a whole um um wow the name just flew out of my head the triangle pyramid with the eyeball and the illuminati you have a whole illuminati, oh, illuminati yeah um that are that are you know they they know about what's going on they think they're in control maybe they are maybe they aren't but there is uh, there's sort of an illuminati analog that is in all three games that may or may not be a rough analog to uh also a ruthless terrorist organization determined to take over the world. Yeah, you know, one of those. Um, that's it's it's a definition. I'm sure that folks can look up Certain if they're a little bit confused. That, you know, if if you're familiar with those robots, you'll probably be familiar with those guys. Yeah, folks who like hoods and faceplates. Uh, yeah, you're, you're you know you're run of the mill uh, yeah. Illuminati uh, terrorist organizations. Um, and uh, and yeah, like like. I, I would stress, like, if you like the idea of storytelling or even just coming up with character concepts, like, look into this thing. Like, they, I, things I was being – that I, I had described to me were stuff like a news helicopter who can eject two minions, which, by the way, is a stat you can pick when you're creating a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those minions were, in this case, like, the, the audio recorder and the camera that would be in a news helicopter. Um, Sound check and lens cap. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they, they were a lot of fun. If if you ever get the chance to like see how the character creation in this works, like if you're if you're into the the fiction side of Transformers, uh, th- I was I was really digging like the way that you guys had that slot system, not just as an RPG character build, but also as like a way to. It's weird to put it this way because it's, it's it's a storytelling game, but it was like a balanced way to create a transforming robot character where you you can get carried away focusing in on one thing by not being able to do like you know 50 other things at the same time um the the idea of balance for narrative is fascinating to me because i'm I'm so used to balance just being like for hard gameplay oh yeah well i wanted to have it kind of have the feel of like you're playing with legos like there's different little things that you can plug in um, and a big part of it also was coming up with different, uh, vehicle modes, like, and, and having like a zillion different vehicle modes that have different abilities that come with them as well. So yeah. you just, you know, um, it's this vehicle 
they're a spy, they're a warrior, they're a leader, and then they, you know, have some sort of a gimmick. They're a triple changer. They're a, um, they have little minions, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I guess just to, to kind of as one last topic that I think is important for any of these kind of games, um, the, the one thing that I'll, I'll always hear about any tabletop game in the last like year and a half that I've been looking at them, um, but it's a, it's a true one is someone will say, well, I'm interested, but I don't know anyone else who is interested, so I don't know what to do. And like with a with a competitive game, there's a bit more of a linear path of like, well, you know, just play the game with people, see if they like it, create your little league at a store, etc. With an RPG, I feel like it's it's again, in my limited experience. What I would tell someone is uh, talk to your friends about the system and see who might be interested. But obviously with a storytelling game, I think there's even more room to do stuff with voice over IP, over Discord, over Skype, to, oh, yeah. to have remote systems. It's sort of enjoying a renaissance right now of people that are like getting back into gaming uh, and doing it online because they can't necessarily you know, be immediately in the same place as each other. Uh, a thing that I do, and it's something I'm still working on, like writing, I want to write like something about just how to run a game this way, uh, is I've got a tabletop game. Right now it's Command Droids uh, that has about 30 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I can do is schedule it online. So I get people who are like, oh, I'd love to do this, but I can't be there every week. And I can say, okay, well, then I'm not going to have your character show up every week. Um but you'll still be in it. And so it really creates this like very diverse group of characters and they might not all ever meet each other, but you can have like a scene where like somebody goes in and talks to the guy behind the counter at the Seven Eleven about like, did he see anything weird last week? And the guy behind the counter at the Seven Eleven might be somebody else's character. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes the whole town kind of feel very alive and lived in. It was something that we, I started doing with Rememorex, but it works just as well with Commandroids as well, where it's like, you know, this is, you know, like larger group and they just don't all show up at the same time. So, you know, I've got yeah. like 30 players, but each game might have between six and eight of those people show up. And and the the one other like really key ingredient is having a really good GM, you know, or, you know, games master, the, the person who is sort of... Um, in control of the of the the world around the player characters uh is is there like a really is there like any go-to resource people tend to share of like you know if you if you don't have a gm and you want to just be the gm like is there like is there like a bible someone reads is there like the one book you're supposed to check out i've I've never actually been sure Uh, i feel like i should have an answer to this uh there are plenty of books on the subject once again i would i would direct you to drive through rpg or something like that um Mm -hmm. and you know just look up like jamming guides uh if you want to run a game um by all means it's something that the best way to learn it is to just start to do it um and uh there are certainly resources online that uh you know even if you just google how to run a game uh it's it's all going to be very much geared towards how to run dungeons and dragons but you yeah. can <laughs> take that knowledge and sort of twist it to whatever you want so you can do like city of heroes or uh, or Commandroids or Shadowrun or whatever. Um, it's it's the trickiest thing and the, the, the first piece of, of information I would give is, is that it's about making sure that the players are the heroes, that like, you know, even if they're the villains, they're the heroes, like that they are, they are front and center of the story, that they're the most important thing that is happening. Um, and uh, once you've sort of got that down, like, you know, then, then, if even if it's not going the direction you necessarily thought it would, you learn to like to sort of bend with it and follow them. They're going to do the work. Yeah. You're, you're just sort of chasing behind and saying, 
you know, uh, what the weather is like. Um, but yeah, and there's also, uh, there's various online resources. The first one I can think of off the top of my head is Roll20. Uh, and there's, I think, other ones uh, that will help you to set up and or join a role-playing community online uh, and find players. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I, I would say that we are definitely going to be at least at TFCon Toronto running this. So if you want to play it, that'll be a chance there. Uh, and I, I can't... 100% say if I'm going to be at any of the others, but I would very much like to. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully I'll be there and I can run something. If if you're if you want to try it out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put up on uh, the Nerdy City um, Facebook or and on the website like where we're going to be uh, yeah. for the next year. I mean, I mean, worst case, like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again at TFCon. Uh, I thought that was a not not just you know that you guys specifically were there with this specific game, but like to have the the presence of a tabletop system that's relevant to you know what's going on was I thought it was really nice additional flavor to add to the schedule and to to the general atmosphere of the convention. Oh, thank you. I I, I, again, I had a really good time. Uh, You're welcome. Please come. Please come again. Well, um, what what I'll say is I, I definitely at the beginning said, yeah, we'll talk for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes, see where we go. And this <laughs> usually happens when I say that we're, uh, we're, we're hitting the 80 minute mark on the raw recording. So I, I should probably, uh, cap it off here, but, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time. Like I said, I, I was real, I was real messy between ne- like now and TFCon with, with, you know, one and a half other things going on. I, I really appreciate you having me on, um. Like I said, you know, we're, we're we're just pushing to make this thing real and doing everything we can. So I, I very much appreciate you listening to me talk about robots and role playing games. That was a pleasure. Uh, and you know, we Thanks. we inadvertently have diversified into talking about tabletop a lot more with the advent of a Transformers card game. And I, I think that this is just like it, it's a topic that's of interest to me. It's of interest to Aaron, especially um, Seth. Uh, who's not regularly on with us, but you know he he has been doing D anD D for a bit. Like I, I uh, I'm I'm happy we had some time to like talk properly just about you know not just the system but about the the genre. Uh, so if uh, listeners want to check out more, as you know, we said the names a few times, but uh, Nerdy City, Rememorex, Commandroids, check out the Kickstarter. Uh, take part in it, please, because I would like that book to exist. Yes, That's me please. being selfish. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to selfishly say I would like to, I'd like for that book to exist, and uh, yeah, thank thank you, Sean, for for heading by here. Uh, you're you're of welcome course. back whenever you want. Give me a poke if you want yeah, to come by. Yeah, and just absolutely. Talk robots. Let me know when you want to do one, and uh, you know I could probably bring some of the other members of the team, and you know we could even maybe do like a quick little run through of a scenario or something. That might be fun. Ooh, I'm actually way into that idea. Uh, yes, if if I forget, uh, listeners ask. Ask me about that thing we were going to do with uh, <laughs> a scenario. Uh, yeah, we'll close up here. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. Until then, please uh, stay safe and uh, and hey, roll some dice. But you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay.